Good morning, everybody. Um, it's always nice to get that answer back. Uh, it's nice to see that people actually showed up. Um, so this is not RJ here today, clearly, as you can see, which also means I might need to raise this up a little bit. Uh, no offense, RJ. No, I was thinking as I saw, as I came in and I heard that uh, Joelle was going to be leading and I saw Zach playing violin, I kind of feel bad that I'm taking away from the Umandap family service this morning, so we'll have to, we'll have to better plan that another time. Um, it's great to be here with everyone. Um, it's been a while since I've had opportunity to talk about Friends in Action, about the ministry that I'm part of. Um, but of course this morning we're not just here to, I don't want to just share about this ministry, but I also want to share from the Word too. So we're going to be covering a little bit of ground this morning. But for those of you who don't know me, um, and for some of you I've, I've never met this part of your face. So <laughs> I'm looking at some of you in your eyes, uh, and for some who are still behind masks as well. But it's a pleasure to be here. My name is Matt Durkee. My wife and I are, are missionaries with Crescent Baptist Church. Um, I actually came to this church back in 2005 as a student. And actually, the first time that I came, I still remember, uh, and it, it actually ties into my story. I sat right back over there, uh, and I was a student at the University of Guelph. I was looking for a place to go uh, to start attending church with a friend of mine. And I came in, sat down, and there was a guest speaker that day, and that guest speaker was a man by the name of Tim Johnson. And Tim Johnson was uh, the director of Friends in Action uh, for, from 1995 until just the end of this past year. And he was here speaking at Creswick. He's a supportive missionary by this church as well, too. And he was talking about a project that they needed help with in Africa, drilling water wells. Uh, I was a university student, uh, engineering, environmental engineering, and I really had a passion on my heart to serve the Lord, but I didn't know where or how. Um, God used that talk in this church to give me direction. Uh, and God, over the next number of years, would help lead me into a place where um, I would actually be sent out by this church in 2009 as a missionary. Uh, so I served on the ground in Burkina Faso, West Africa, actually with that well drilling project uh, until 2017. I met my wife, uh, our two kids. Uh, we all lived over there until then. Uh, we had the pleasure of hosting a couple of teams from this church. Uh, and it's one thing that I would love to see kick back off again to you to get more people out joining us in Friends in Action and Ministry, supporting mission works, evangelical works around the world uh, for the purposes of seeing the word of God preached amongst the nations. Um, in 2018, my life changed. Uh, focus changed for ministry. I had been working over there, being on the ground, receiving teams, uh, operating and managing the, the well drilling equipment, um, uh, and really engaging in this, really, a, a very exciting ministry. We came back home in 2017 for a variety of reasons, and it was during that year, or the beginning of 2018, uh, Tim Johnson asked me to consider stepping into his role. Uh, I said no. <laughs> I, my heart was about doing. My heart was being on the ground and going, uh, and seeing the, the size and the scope and the extent of the work that, that he had done, and uh, what God has actually birthed and developed through, through him and his efforts and through the work of the ministry. Friends in Action grew from being a small group of men committed to seeing um, uh, evangelical works across the world uh, reach for Christ, and to be able to support that, to being, we're working in six countries in a number of different support areas and support ministries. And that seemed really big, uh, and I really felt God was calling me in one area. Um, but during that year, something shifted and changed inside of me. 
And that's one of the things I kind of wanted to talk about with you today as well. Um, because I think it's the shift that took place inside of me is something that I've got the opportunity that I think I should, I, we need to challenge each other in when we start thinking about missions and ministry and, and how the Lord is engaging us as a church. <clears throat> so in 2021, I started as the executive director of Friends in Action in Canada. And this past year, I actually took on the role of executive director for the US and the international director as well. So that's all to say that I've stepped into shoes much larger than my feet. Um, and I rely and, and covet your prayers for me and for my family because we're in unknown waters. Um, I, uh, uh, Tim has stepped down from uh, the executive role. He's still with the organization working in a different way. But stepping into it, God has really given us a sense that he's taking us somewhere new. Um, I want to share a little bit about Friends in Action for those of you who don't know who we are or what we do. Um, but I, I want to use this example first. A couple of days ago, uh, and as I was starting to get ready to prep for what I was going to be sharing with you, I was, I was talking to somebody, and we started talking about support and support ministries and support areas, and he actually started to share something I found very interesting. He started off by saying, did you know in the Vietnam War that for every active combat member that the U.S. had sent out, there's about 10 support people behind them, nine or 10 support? And that really got me thinking. Uh, so I started doing a little bit of study and to see if that was just word on the street or if that was just act or common knowledge or if there was some, some validity to that statement. Uh, there's a man by the name of J.J. McGrath. He's a, an author, a uh, historian with uh, Fort Leavenworth down in the U.S. And he did a study uh, with the... Can go to the next slide. He actually did a study with the uh, Combat Studies Institute and he called it the, the tip-to-tail study, essentially looking at the ratio that exists between your active support members in combat uh, theaters or environments and the amount of support that goes into actually uh, supporting them, the number of people required to support them. And what he found out was actually, uh, he looked at the past 100 years of, of combat for the, US, for, the, for the US Army. And what he found out was that starting back in the 1900s all the way to now, there's been a shift. Early on, there was almost two or three active combat people to every support person. And in the past 100 years, that number is actually inverted. The more specialized that the US military operations have become, the more they realize is we needed to have more and more support so that these men and women who've been equipped to do exactly what they've been trained to do can have all that they need to get the job done and to do it well. I said, isn't that interesting? Because that's our faith and our perspective in missions as well. We are partnering. There's people that get trained to go out and preach the gospel. And we know that not all of us are gifted with the same ability to go and, and speak in the, in the heart language of, of the nations of the world. But for those who spend three, four, five years going to be translators, church planters, uh, the people who are, are able and equipped to go, there's places that they get out to and they can't even launch and engage into their ministry because they've got to figure out how to live. They got to figure out how to, how to provide for their families and how to, to have the support that they need in order to be able to get the job done that they've been called there to do. Back in the early 90s, that was what a group of men were talking about and were considering when it came down to figuring out how do we accelerate gospel work around the world. There are places that people can't get to for accessibility reasons in a number of, for a number of different reasons, accessibility being one of them. And when they get out there, you've got people that are brilliant at being able to share the gospel, brilliant at being able to speak. 
I would not trust them with a hammer. And yet they're, they're being required to provide for themselves. They're being required to be able to provide for their families, to, to essentially establish a base that they can live from and serve from. And so that's where we come in. And so I thought it was interesting thinking about that example, where it's to be more effective in ministry, to be able to do what you've been called to do. There's a network of people. And that's one of the ideas about the tip to tail for the spear. Tip of the spear is, of course, what you're looking to achieve and accomplish. As Christians, we've been called to accomplish a specific thing, and that's to be sharing the gospel, to be going and making disciples, to be as witnesses. And when we think about what's all required in order to support that effort and that action, that's a challenge that I want to give to us this morning as a church. Where do you, where do I, fit into the challenge that God has given us to support making disciples in all the world? Because it's not just being part of the church. We're each called to be part of it. So our mission statement, as I said, is to support mission areas uh, in, in, uh, to support mission work in areas of limited infrastructure through construction and service projects to speed the gospel. Uh, our focus, and I'm going to work our way through this statement because uh, we're going to start at the end because that's really the reason why we do what we do. Our focus is on the lost. Uh, everything that we do is keeping that goal in mind where we're looking to see the word of God, the gospel brought, the good news of Jesus Christ brought to the very ends of the world. Uh, oftentimes, the places where that's going is the last and the least. It's the places... Oops. You can keep going. And the next one. We're catching up. There you go. Sorry. Um, oftentimes, the places that we're going to are the last and the least. The places that have not yet, uh, for various reasons, been able to actually experience or have people come share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, our first field was actually in Papua New Guinea. Uh, if you don't know... Uh, much about Papua New Guinea. Uh, Southeast Asia, it's an island, half Indonesia, half Papua New Guinea. Um, the reality is it is all jungle, mountains, rivers, islands, incredibly inaccessible. Um, and that was one of the first places that we actually started serving as a mission organization. And it is so hard to get missionaries out into those places. There's other places like that all over the world. And so the, the problem was how do we speed up connecting missionaries, international workers, to the places where God's calling them to serve. The reason why a lot of times work isn't happening and taking place is because the places are hard to reach and it's hard to actually get people and keep people there. Next, we're looking to partner with specific gospel purpose. Every single project that we do is not done in isolation. We always partner with gospel partners on the ground. So whether it's an international worker that's serving uh, it's a national partner on the ground. Every single physical project that we're doing is partnered with the intention of actually seeing uh, souls changed by Christ. The, sorry, I'm getting distracted by that. <laughs> the, uh, the reality is that there's a lot of times that good works and good things take place um, and, and can happen in a void. And if we don't have the right people that we're partnering with, it's just a good work. And so for us as Friends in Action, we always make sure we're partnering with people who are looking to share the gospel, to plant seeds of faith. Uh, whether it happens in that they've been working there for a long time, or it's really, it's the first time that they've had opportunity to get into these communities. Those are the types of people that we look to work with. Next, it's transformative projects. So the things that we do are actually life-changing and involving community, uh, involve community engagement. They're practical and they're hands-on uh, projects and 
practical, hands-on ways that we're demonstrating the love of God. And that's one of the things. People have often comes up, come up to us and said, at the end of either a two-week trip or, or talking about the work that we're doing, and they said, I had no idea that this could be part of missions. That was one of the things that I hadn't thought about as I started engaging in, with Friends in Action, uh, as I started thinking about that this could be part of supporting mission work. Uh, and maybe that's a disservice that we've actually given to our churches over the past number of years, because when we talk about missions, we talk about the sharing the gospel, being the mouth, um, being the ones that are actually communicating the word of God. And, and that's the emphasis as to what missions work actually is. The reality is that we've been called to be as witnesses. We've been called to demonstrate the love of God. Whether you're speaking it, whether you're living it, whether it's your hands or your feet, uh, James tells us that faith is, is it's an active faith. It's not a passive one. Uh, we're supposed to be living out the faith that we've been given. And this is just another way that God is bringing those who have been gifted with the ability to speak with those who have been given the opportunity and the ability to go, to serve. The number of times that I've heard from pastors that I've worked with on the ground in Africa saying, thank you for giving us an opportunity, not just to give us an opportunity to speak about God's love, thank you for coming out and living that example. Because what people are seeing is a practical walking example of Jesus Christ. I mean, it's one of the things, and this is not to throw us up on a pedestal, but one of the things that I've heard over and over again is that as us here in this room, relative to the rest of the world, we are the richest people in the world. So when you're willing to go and leave your home, leave your place, leave everything that you have to go and get dirty for a fly speck village in the middle of nowhere that doesn't even have a name, how much does that talk about the love of God and Father? And that is an example that these pastors, that our partners are able to use to multiply and build upon. Even though you're going and using, even though the teams that we work with, even though our personnel go and they use their hands, they're not necessarily the ones that are sharing the gospel. God is equally using them to make an impact into people's hearts and lives. And the number of people I've heard saying, I had always a heart and a passion for this, but I said, that was never me. I've seen people's hearts changed and lives changed because of this and through this. I've seen people get involved in ministry and missions. And one of the things that I definitely want us to be walking away with is that the work, of the, the work of the gospel, the work of the church to be going and serving is not just for the mouth, it's for the hands and feet. And each of us here have the opportunity to be part of that too. Thinking about the hands and feet, that's where a lot of our North American church engages in this. So one of the things that we've been called to do, a passion that God's put on my heart, is to shift from being the one to go to now being one to send. And that's, that's where I end up this morning. It's, it's how do we shift from being, uh, how did I shift, essentially? And I, and I challenge each of you to consider where do you fall into this part of being a sending church? I think it's something that each of us needs to recognize and each of us needs to, to wrestle with because that's part of what it means to be part of the, the family of God. That's what it means to be part of a church community and a church body. Um, this morning, we're gonna be looking at Romans and talking a little bit through what that actually means. Um, and if you want to skip ahead to that, that would be good. So we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 10, verses 1 to 17, I'll be reading. But it's, it's to think about this idea of shifting from missions work and ministry work as being just the front line to being the whole thing. As we're called into being part of the missions movement, as we're called into being part of, of the work that God is calling for us, this ministry of reconciliation that, that, uh, 
that Christ alludes to, that God alludes to and throughout the scriptures. It's where do we fit? Where do you and I fit as part of that? I think there's three levels of calling for each person who's a follower of Jesus Christ. Um, the first level of calling is to abide in communion with Christ. Each one of us is called into a relationship with him. Uh, the second level of calling is to share in what some might consider the common callings of Christ. So you look through the scriptures and what are the things that, that you or I, regardless of circumstance, place, time, are just absolutely true. What is called of you as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, to be? That's what you're called to. You don't need a specific calling to say, God doesn't have to speak specifically to you to say, do not steal. That's a part of what it is. Some of those other callings are just to love, to pray for those who persecute you, to forgive those who wrong you, to give those in need, to just generally be prepared to share about the hope that you have in Christ. These are all things that we're instructed to as Christians. And whether you knew it or not, that's the standard that God's holding you to. That's the calling as a follower of Jesus Christ. That's generally there, the common calling that we're to, to be abiding by and command, uh, that we're commanded by of scripture that applies to each one of us. The third calling, of course, is to respond to the specific callings that God gives. For some who are specifically called to go, that's what you are needing to re- respond to. For us, for some of us here, it's to respond to this calling to send. What does that mean to send? And so for each of us, I think it's important for us to consider that. The highest calling, of course, is to abide in communion with Christ. And as a response, what do you do? Who are we? Matthew 28, 18 to 20 says, talks about the Great Commission and, and something that we would all commonly refer to as being that, that primary missionary passage, to go and make disciples of all the world. Is that given to one person? No, it's given to the church. So where do you fit? Where do I fit in that? Acts 1.8, same thing. Go and be my witnesses. So how are we being a witness? See, faith in Christ is not just a passive thing. Faith in Christ is not just, okay, I'm going to learn and grow and absorb. I'm not gonna, it's not just coming and, and sitting and engaging. It's also not just in the fellowship that we have within. What we're supposed to have is to take what God gives us to build within and to go out. Romans 10 talks specifically about that. Let's read Romans 10, verses 1 to 17. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of righteousness of, of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. 
For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have not he- never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Let's pray before we continue. Heavenly Father, we just uh, want to thank you for your word of truth. We thank you, God, that it is alive, that it is instructive. We thank you that it is relevant to us today, even as it was a long time ago. And God, that it will continue to inform and direct and to shape us as we grow into the image of what you would have us to be. Lord God, today I pray that as we consider um, this passage, especially in the light of what you call us to be as, as part of your the great commission work as part of this ministry of reconciliation that you've given us as people to be part of being your witnesses and, and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. God, that each one of us would recognize um, that you call us to something more. Lord, I, I pray that as we consider your words in the time that we have, that uh, you would bring your truth from it. I pray that you would prepare our hearts and our minds. And Father, for whatever words you would give me to use, I just pray that you would allow it to fall on good soil. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, to start, um, and we're, we're, we're going to not take probably as deep a dive as we would probably with RJ, um, but I do want us to look at a few things here. I think the first thing that I want us to look at is uh, Paul's acknowledgement or Paul's recognition of his heart for his people. Uh, I mean, this passage is very specific in terms of speaking about Israel, but I think the reality is we can make that same application for us or for anybody involved in ministry or missions, having a heart for the lost. Uh, Because the reality is that for those Israelites, they were lost. Um, His passion and his his approach to engaging with what God was given him as as a calling was quite clear. His desire was that the people would be saved. And I think one of just the simple observation for verse one is in his heart's desire and prayer to God, uh, desire alone was not sufficient and desire alone was not where he was left. I think for, for us here, we can all want and have a desire that the world may come to know Christ. We may have a desire for the truth to be able to go out of the gospel. For Paul, it wasn't just desire, it was action. He had desire, he prayed, and through that, God gave him that passion and the means to be able to go and do. But I think it's interesting that he really quickly points to the fact that these people also had zeal. Um, And when you're thinking about the children of Israel, I mean, they had all the laws, they had the covenants, they had all the different things that were there as part of uh, the package of being the people of God, and yet they missed being the children of God. Uh, There was something that disconnected, there was something that didn't line up in terms of their faith Uh, their practices and their faith. And I think that's a warning for us as we're considering even ourselves as we engage here in church, in fellowship, as we engage with the the people of Christ. Do we have the right knowledge that's forming our belief and forming our faith with God? 
I think it's the, the, the warning is that sometimes we, be, we can become religious and fervent in our actions and our attitudes. Um, but if it's the wrong kind of knowledge, we're going to be going off the wrong track. And as I think and consider not just, just the people of Israel or even a warning for us here, but as we consider the people that we're serving, whether it's of a different faith, different background, whether it's those that are more animistic tradition, believing in the, in the, the ancestral worship and spirits, um, they have fervor and they have zeal, but it's in the wrong place. And Paul, when he's talking later in verses 14 and 15, I think the first 13 verses of this, of this chapter really are the precursor for that. And one of the reasons why the people need to hear, why, one of the reasons why the people need to, to know how to follow is because their perspective and their focus is lost. It's wrong and it's in the wrong place. I would also say that for all of us here now, when we're thinking again, this bigger picture of where do we fit into this gospel plan, this is the opportunity that we have and this is why we meet as we meet, to keep our focus and our knowledge and our faith right. How can we send people out who aren't specifically trained with the right information to be able to go and do? And I think that's one of the things that as Christians and as the church, that's one thing we need to be, keep considering and keep recognizing. Our per- our purpose is to be pointing people to Christ, to be helping form the next generation of people who are going to be going. And that's something that we need to always be considering and always be working towards. The other side of having zeal but not knowledge was that they didn't really understand or know God. And in what they did understand, they pursued in the wrong ways. And their lack of knowledge, essentially, they were, they were ignorant of God's righteousness. Verse three, it says that they sought to establish their own righteousness. In seeking to establish their own righteousness, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for the righteousness for everyone who believes. One of the things, of course, that they didn't realize was that it wasn't just the practice of following God that was important. It was about submission and faith in Christ. And I think it's important we start that way, and it's kind of this bouncing back and forth between the beginning of those verses and the end of those verses, because it really does line up with kind of the key verses for me in verses 14 and 15. 14 says, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed, and how are they to believe him of whom they had never heard, and how are they to hear without someone preaching, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? For someone to believe in something, they have to have the right knowledge in what to believe in. For someone to believe, it's not just about knowing, it's about submission, and it's about being taught the right way. The next couple of verses where it says, uh, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for everyone who believes. For Moses writes about righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. The Jews really sought to make faith and to make uh, their relationship with God a process. And the reality, what Paul is saying, is it's not this thing to strive for, it's this thing to claim. And that's that relationship with Christ. Christ is not far away, he's right there. And that's one of the things, even for us in ministry with friends, uh, for those that are overseas serving in missions, that's one of the things that they're looking to do, that's the primary focus of that ministry work, is to be taking 
knowledge that is in the wrong place and pointing it back to Christ. People whose perspectives have been twisted and shaped wrongly and differently and focusing it back to you. It's not about a striving, it's about a claiming of the truth of who Christ is. And so whether we do it by action or we do it uh, through the intentional teaching, it's not just going and seeing people say, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus, but also modeling what it means to follow after Jesus. It's one thing to say that Christ is the end of the law, but what does that actually mean? And for us here as a church body, for us as, as people of faith, for us to be sending people out to be doing the same thing, I think it's vitally important for us to have a solid base here so that we can send out people who are solid out there too. Coming back to the end of, of this section here. Paul finishes off verse 15 by saying, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I like one of the authors that I was reading for in one of the commentaries to say, well, of course it's gonna be beautiful feet, the ones that bring the good news of Jesus Christ. It's interesting, because when I was thinking about that, and you think about the time and the place of Paul, the way to travel was by foot. How dirty would those feet have been? And yet to call them beautiful. Things that people probably didn't refer to or think of as being the, the highest priority thing to, to take care of. Um, oftentimes it was, if you had good clean clothes, that was wonderful, but your feet were always gonna be dirty by walking afterwards. How interesting is it when you think about that the things that, something that you would think less of becomes revered, revered in God's eyes as being one of those powerful tools that are used to make difference and change in the lives of others. People need to go and be sent. That's what I take from the gospel according uh, that's what I take from the gospel, that, what Jesus says, that's what I take from Paul as he speaks to the Romans. Who are we as a church as we're sending? Do we have this focus that our goal ought to be sending out people so that preaching can take place, so that hearing can take place, so that believing can take place, so that they can call on him? There's something to be said about that process. As we send people out, as we consider our role in this idea of how are, are we ascending church, it's the people that we send out which is important. But I think it's important too for us to be considering, are we actually engaging in the process? Are we making it possible for people to go? One of the things I like about, I'm a little biased, about Friends in Action is it's a way to engage people who otherwise haven't been part of the ministry before. It's about engaging people who are gifted with talents and abilities to actually go and to live out their faith, um, whether it's for a short period of time or a longer period of time. It's part of that process of making disciples in different ways. As a church, I think we need to be committed to sending people out so that the preaching can take place. Because how are, our, how are disciples to be made to all, in all the nations and to the ends of the earth? It's not just going and making disciples, it's also about teaching them the right way. It's also about teaching them the way that God chose us to live in right relationship with him. 
Clearly with the people of Israel, they were calling on the name of the Lord, but they didn't have the right relationship. They weren't taught the right way to do it. That's a warning again to us, but it's also significant because are we doing well as a church in terms of not just teaching, but living out that right way we should go? People need to hear. It's not just about going, it's about people being able to speak. And so I would, I, for us as a church, we have a long history of engaging and supporting missions work in the past. If you go back a number of years, our, our wall of missionaries was quite extensive in terms of the number of people that this church supported. Uh, it's a pleasure to be one of those that are supporting, um, that are being supported by this church. And, and one of the things that I've been excited about is to be able to be part of that sending process as well, to be able to get more people out into the mission field. Not just to be physically supporting, but also to be actively engaging and sharing the gospel. But for us again as a church, are we making it possible for the next generation to go? Is that something that we're praying for? Is that something that we're focused on? There's more to us than this. There's more to us than taking what God teaches us here to go out into our communities to serve. I would challenge us. I, I, I am a missionary of this church, but I'm also one of the elders here at this church. And I would challenge us, this is something that I am praying for for us as a church, that God would be birthing in us a renewed passion to be seeing the lost saved for Christ. And it's not just that we are needing to send out more international workers, more missionaries to go and speak and to preach, but that each of us has been called in different ways to go and be part of that ministry process and that we would be open to what God is leading us to. I believe and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Sarah, or Dave, you were on the missions committee too, I may be one of the last uh, international missionaries that were sent out by this church. That was back in 2009. It's been a while. We've supported many missionaries since then, but in terms of sending out from this fellowship, this congregation, to be a sending church, it has been a while. I think we need to be praying for God to bring that next group to go back out, to go out, and for us to be sending more. There was someone said that uh, if you pool all the resources of the church, the church is the wealthiest now than it's ever been. So that's not a reason why the lost aren't being reached for Christ. If you think about the, the fact we can get to the moon and back and we're explaining the oceans, clearly accessibility is becoming less and less an issue. And I can say, having been engaging, engaging in that accessibility problem, um, Places are a lot more accessible today than they used to be. So accessibility is not a reason. The reason why there is such a need still for people to be going and serving the Lord, to be preaching the gospel, to be taking the gospel to the, the far nations of the world is because people are not going. And that's what we need to be praying for. And Luca talks about praying to the Lord of the harvest. Now whether it's here in Guelph, whether it's in Ontario, whether it's Canada, the US, or the outermost parts of the world, people still need to go. Let us be a praying church, praying for passion and praying that people would be raised to be sent out, that we would be a place that would also be supportive of that too. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? 
And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? We've been called to be a sending church. We've been called to be part of that support process, that tip to tail, to be starting to be engaged with, to be called to engage with the mission of bringing Christ to the lost. We have opportunities to do that. Um, I, uh, with the permission of the missions committee, we have a number of, org- of uh, opportunities that are co- going to be coming up in the next couple of months to be part of uh, some support work with uh, Ethnos Canada, which is a mission organization not too far away. Um, as an organization, we would love to engage with more people to be able to go out with us to help connect you with places um, where you could serve and to step into what it is that God's calling you to be as a support and as partnering with the Lord in ministry. There's a number of other organizations that the church supports. There's a number of other organizations that, and mission organizations that the church engages with. Um, the missions team here has a heart and a desire to see people connected with that next step of engagement, with being a sending church, with being a partnering church, with the mission, support, with mission team and the missionaries that we support as a, as a church here. I would encourage you, and I guess there's two things I would say. I would encourage you to consider if God's calling you to something more. Ask yourself the question, where do I fit into the bigger picture of being ascending, of being part of this as ascending church? But the other part of it, I would also ask you to consider, is to pray. And I think for all of us, we need to be praying for our church and for our church community. That God would continue to raise up that next generation of people to go and engage, to be willing to go, to use the gifts and abilities that God's given you to be part of that transformative movement, whether it's here in Guelph or around the world, but to be sharing the gospel, to be using your gifts and abilities for him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity to, to share about, uh, about the work of Friends in Action, about the work that we're involved with in doing, uh, to be able to share about how we support your ministry and your movement around the world, how, God, you are engaging people to be part of uh, being the hands and feet to serve. And Lord, we're not all called to be the mouth, but you've given us the ability to do different things. And and God, just think and to know that you've given us things to be able to do in your service and for you. So God, today I pray that even as we're thinking about this passage, thinking about the reality that uh, There's people out there who don't know you, whether they have an understanding, little or great, of you, and God, that you've called us to be your witnesses. Lord, I pray for us as a church that we would consider where we fit in your bigger plan. That's not just about living uh, our lives here for you, but it's about being willing to consider what more you have to ask of us. Lord God, I, I pray that as we would continue to grow in our knowledge and our understanding, that we would be your witnesses, that we would model well what it means to live for you. Lord God, I also pray for each one of us here that as we, as we pray for our church, that this would be a community that sends, that God, you would raise up the next generation of missionary, of international worker, people that are willing to go and take your name out, whether it's locally here in Canada or to the ends of the earth. God, that we may be a place that sends out people that are passionate for you and that are passionate about making passionate disciples of you. 
Father, that they may model well what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time. And I just ask that you would bless us. Father, all that we say and do may it be honoring to you. In your name we pray.